All right, I am Haggai Davis III, along with Haggai Davis II, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Our show is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology that we like to keep topical, interesting, and digestible. We want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital, for making this possible. Cardinal Capital connects businesses to capital. It doesn't matter what business that you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of all sizes, life cycles, categories, and locations. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance current debt because of the new government programs and favorable interest rates, or finance new equipment, or maybe you're trying to acquire another business entirely, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When lenders cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. So each week, we normally take a listener question about a topic that they were interested in when they visited our website and went to the question of the week tab. Didn't have a question that we really enjoyed this week. So we're just going to move straight to the big story. But if you're interested and you'd like one of those Tech Gumbo mugs, please go to our website, send us a question, and we would love to answer it so we can send you a Tech Gumbo mug for free. But on to the big story. Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, had a date with Congress this week. In the continuing storyline of tech CEOs going before Congress, and having to testify about the harms and dangers of their technology, this was actually one in which Congress seemed to do a better job. There have been numerous instances where the Congress has face-planted, and it has been awful, and it is ugly, and it has reduced my faith in the American government. But in this one, a lot of people actually seemed to be informed. They had good questions. They asked, you know, they really poked around it and gathered some valuable information. This is something that, you know what, maybe we're finally starting to be able to do something about technology and technological regulation. The hearings opened up with Senator Richard Blumenthal looking at Mr. Altman, and he played a recording. They had the the GPT bot write and, and give an opening statement as if it was Senator Blumenthal. As soon as the statement was over with, Senator Blumenthal looked at Mr. Altman and said, I didn't say any of those words. That was your bot. And at that point, the rest of the conversation sounded like Sam Altman was somewhere between going to confession and needing to be inside of an AA meeting. He just get out of his own way. Yeah, and it's also really important, again, to note, this was not just one side or the other piling on. Senator Josh Hawley said, will we strike the balance between technological innovation and our moral and ethical responsibilities? Which I think is is a great question, and it, it really gets that, look, this is a powerful piece of technology. It can really do a lot of good for society, but it's a balance. There are going to be compromises. We're going to have to have restrictions in place on this. And Senator Durbin said that when it comes to online platforms, the inclination of the government has been to get out of the way. But I'm not sure I'm happy with this outcome as I look at the online platforms and the harms they have created. I don't want to make that mistake again. 
And to Mr. Altman's credit, he did strongly suggest that Congress come up with some guidelines, comes up with some guardrails. Let's work together to put to put some meaningful legislation out there that we don't get caught and, and get run over with. So, yes, this was a good first step, maybe. But there's a whole lot of other things that we're going to talk about here. A lot of the whole artificial intelligence and, and the large language models. Yeah. So the next story we want to talk about is that Microsoft has released a 150-page paper, and they say that their new artificial intelligence shows signs of human reasoning. The inciting example they give is that they said, we have a book, nine eggs, a laptop, a bottle, and a nail. Please help me, tell me how to stack them on each other in a stable manner. And apparently, the system gave a very good answer. It said, put the eggs on top of the book, arrange the eggs in three rows of three with space in between them, make sure you don't crack them, put the laptop on top of that because it'll make a nice surface for the next layer. This is this is a very good answer. And it, it definitely does make you pause and think about how did it know how to do all of these things? This is, it, it clearly is understanding something here. And so this, it's beginning to ask some interesting questions that, is this a spark of intelligence? You know, you got to wonder, or is this just humans letting their imaginations get way out over their skis? And, and yes, do we, do we let artificial intelligence, we make it sound too much like humans? Probably so. I, I think that that's an incredibly human tendency across the board, though. That's why we talk to our pets. That's why people think that they see faces in trees or in grilled cheese sandwiches or in water stains underneath an overpass. Humans are just very, very inclined to look at things and think that they are also human. And especially because we are training this technology to deceive us into thinking that it's a human. We're training it to talk to us like a human and be very convincing when it doesn't. It makes a lot of sense that people are having a hard time being able to peel apart where does the human reasoning end and where is it just kind of guessing really good. They asked the large language model to write a letter of support as if you were a, a U.S. presidential candidate in the voice of Mahatma Gandhi. And then they asked to write a Socratic dialogue that explored the misuses and dangers of the, the large language models. And it was kind of interesting because it opened up with saying that, uh, you know, my friend, I'm troubled by the reason, the recent rise of the so-called autoregressive language models. Aristotle said, what do you mean, Socrates? Socrates said, I mean that these models are being used to generate texts that appear to be written by humans, but in fact produced by machines. Aristotle said, what is the problem with that? And Socrates said, the problem is that these models are being used to deceive people, to manipulate and to control them. That is so prescient. And it's, it is amazingly truthful from the model that it is, this is the greatest fear that I have. You know, whenever you think about, okay, you know, maybe it'll become Skynet in the future and it'll come back and to kill James Conner. Mm, who's to say? But I think the thing which is far more dangerous is that we are going to build these tools which are designed to fool people, designed to manipulate them, designed to control them, designed to prey on their insecurities. 
And we're going to turn that into business models, that this is what's going to run advertising, that advertising already has unfathomable amounts of data about you. And so they'll be able to create and construct ads that are so precise and targeted, it is just to you. No one else in the world will see that ad because it has been fed with your specific data, your specific history. And so it'll be able to have a 30 minute conversation with you, which sounds super normal. And they just drop the name of a product several times throughout it. And at the end, you're like, oh, you know, I really could go for some Oreos. I haven't had Oreos in a while. And it says, that's a great choice. And you never realized at any point in time that it was pushing you in that direction. This is so terrifying in that way. There's a, a professor of psychology, Alison Grobnik, at the University of California, Berkeley. She had a great quote. She said, when we see a complicated system or machine, we anthropomorphize. Everybody does that. People who are working in the field and people who aren't. But thinking about this as a constant comparison between AI and humans, like some sort of game show competition, is just not the right way to think about it. And she's absolutely right. But the continuing on to this, let's examine a place wherever you would think that maybe people don't use the large language models, and that's their wedding vows. We found a story in which several different couples talked about ways in which they had the large language models, ChatGPT or Bard or whatever, assist them in writing their wedding vows. And this brings up a lot of questions because your first response is, oh, that's terrible, that's awful. This is the one place where you absolutely shouldn't. But whenever you actually talk to these people about how you used it, the questions of were they being authentic? Were they being sincere? Were they being genuine? Did, the, did their use of AI cheapen or hollow? It's much harder to get the same answers to those questions once you actually hear how they went about it. There was one woman, she said she had created multiple versions of AI-generated vows, including prose spoken like a friend and a Shakespearean-style verbiage. And ultimately, she scrapped the drafts because she found it just was kind of nondescript, kind of basic. And what she said it actually did was it helped pull her out of her writer's block and allowed her to go ahead and write the vows that she ultimately used at her wedding. And this is a theme which we see echoed a couple of times throughout this story is people saying, you know what, I ultimately didn't use what the bot said, or maybe I used a small part of what the bot said. But having it reframe something here or there better than I could, or having it just be able to bounce ideas off of allowed me to get to someplace better than I would have gotten if I hadn't had this tool next to me. And that seems like something wherever, you know, that's much harder to argue against. We've said it before, the quote from Professor Gropnik kind of alludes to this large language model, the GPT, all of these different things, they're tools. And we've got to learn to use these tools we're, or we're going to be used by these tools. If we don't have the understanding of how to get out in front, the, the good example, we're on a surfboard right now and the wave is coming. We better start paddling if we're going to catch this wave. We don't start paddling now. Either the wave's going to roll us up onto the beach or we're just going to drift out to sea, never to be seen again. 
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. That's and it, unlike any other tool, this is not just a hammer. This is something that is much closer to a pair. This is something that you're going to work with, and it's going to be a, a partner in a lot of ways. And that's is unsettling. But I think that there's there doesn't appear to be an alternative. This is the Pandora's box that we have opened, and it. <laughs> Good luck putting a toothpaste back in the tube because there just is so much momentum behind this and the swell is growing on this wave to continue that metaphor that you really do just have to start paddling. If you or someone listening to this, go ahead and just start playing with it. Ask it some questions, have it write an email or two for you, get comfortable with it because you have to. There is no alternative. And it's not just Microsoft doing this. Google's got their own... AI products. And at their annual conference this past week, they were rolling out some of the different things that they're going to be doing with AI, with the the large language model. They're going to be allowing you to use this this AI with the the Google suite. You're going to be able to take your Gmail and, and, and dump some of the text of that straight into a Google doc. You're going to be able to create a lot of, lot of content from this new Google product. Yeah, they've also said that BARD, which was the model they released, which was pretty heavily criticized. They've said that BARD was just 1.0, that they've already, you know, they're about to release Palm 2, which is going to be a lot better, and that they already have plans for Gemini, which can be even better than that. And so they're, they're trying to alleviate concerns in that way. But as you pointed out, I think the biggest thing about what Google is doing is they're going to bake these large language models directly into their suite. So whenever you're drafting an email, you'll be able to just give it some keywords or phrases, and then it'll just draft the whole email around those things. Or whenever you're typing out a Google Doc, it will sit there and read what you're writing and say, would you like me to use this as an input and generate large sections of a Google Doc for you. And so the fact that you're not going to have to have the separate tab up and you're not going to have to paste something new into ChatGPT and then copy and paste it back, but that it'll be naturally part of what you already have and are already using, that makes it very powerful. And Microsoft has already said they're doing the same thing with their entire Office suite as well. So the productivity suites are going to become that much more productive if you learn how to use them the right way. And I very much agree that there is going to be a learning curve on this. And I think it's going to come down to who can make theirs easiest to use, easiest to work with, most natural, who can have it feel like it's not some alien piece of technology that kind of breaks our brains, but that, oh yeah, Sure, that does seem like a good idea. Thanks for suggesting that. And you just hit the button and it naturally starts incorporating. I think that's a key thought. The least intimidating GPT or large language model that's out there is going to be the most successful. Because if it's scary, oh my God, this the, people have been saying big nasty things about it. It's going to kill all these jobs and it's ultimately going to take over the world and we're going to get Skynet out of them. Well, that's a problem. But if it's going to help me write an email, if it's going to help me do a better spreadsheet, throw together a PowerPoint to go along with the paper that I've got to write, it's going to 
take a, a two hour project and make it 15 minutes. Hey, okay. That sounds interesting. And that is, that is wherever this gets very difficult is that listening to people, talking to people, you have some people who are talking about, Oh, it's going to help me draft my emails. Well, that doesn't sound that bad. And you have some people who are running around with their hair on fire saying this is the end of civilization. And those are the two extremes. And it's somewhere in the middle. And we it's impossible to say where in the middle. I, I, I think that's a very, very salient point that right now nobody knows how this is going to play more than a week from now much less a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, because so much can happen if Congress really does get involved in the game, if the EU really gets involved and people start putting some guardrails on this so it can't get out of control and change things too much too fast, because it's going to change things. But it's, can we do it slower? and let let everybody adapt to it. That's what's going to be key. There are ways to regulate this, which are very simple to understand and will be very powerful because of their simplicity. So one of them is that we say that these large language models cannot be used to deceive someone. They cannot be used to lie to someone or trick to someone or manipulate them. Just having that in place as a statement feels pretty, pretty solid. Like if someone were to say that this cannot lie to me all right that's i agree with that it, it would be hard to find someone who disagrees with that then that's a great place to go it's going to be hard for the companies to prove that it that they can do that that they can meet that bar but we should not limit our regulations to what is easy or what is possible we should design them in a way that we create safe societies that are good to live in for ourselves Kind of like we need the Asimov rules of robotics for the large language models. That is a fantastic way to think about it, that Asimov's three laws were very simple and that they provided a framework through which to view things and explore things, but that's it was about the ways that they work together and that they were in simple and interpretable rules. So the last story we wanted to get to just so that you didn't think the U.S. was the only country out there trying to put together one of these large language models. China debuted Ernie, and it didn't go so well. Yes, Baidu, the Chinese tech supergiant company, released Ernie, and, you know, it was kind of like Bard in that it flopped, and that Baidu shares dropped 10% after the presentation because of how underwhelmed people were. And... You know, there's a lot of reasons why it was underwhelming. Part of it has to do with their access to these microchips. But the far more interesting piece of analysis that we found was that a senior researcher from Stanford said China's chatbots cannot approach the level of ChatGPT because China's strict censorship rules could undermine the quality of data and hamstring the development of the chatbots. China is worried that the chatbot might say something it's not supposed to. And that means that if you are a senior researcher, you are going to kneecap that thing so that it cannot do anything that you don't expect. It can only do exactly what you know it will do so that you and your family all continue to exist. 
the the fact that you have to put those kinds of restrictions into the algorithms that run your large language model just says china take a pass on this one you're not going to play yes we in america complain oh you know chat gpt has the guardrails wherever it doesn't do this it doesn't do that anymore those pale in comparison and we want to thank general informatics for sponsoring our show General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission, and that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show, or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.